Hey, I'm Matt Hudgens. He's Dave Mulvaney, and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? I am good, Matt. How are you? Life is good. We've got the sun coming out, a little warm weather here in Atlanta. I am uh, ready for an early spring. What is warm weather in Atlanta this time of year mean? Uh, 67, 70 degrees. We're about uh, 76, going to be 80 tomorrow. That's I'm, hot. <laughs> I'm just, I am, I am really just trying to make it through this week without sneaking out and going and play golf. I mean, I told my wife, I'm like, I got so much to do. And I just really, the second it gets like this, it's, you get the, uh, it's almost like spring fever. I can't explain it, but it, it's real and I get it every year. So I may have to go out anyway. Um, sometime this week and uh, <laughs> well guess where I was 30 minutes ago playing golf H hitting golf balls yeah I'll run up there and just hit balls for 30 minutes just because the weather's so much just what you're talking about yeah it, it is yeah. I am ready for spring yes absolutely we get a delay am I back on yeah well okay yeah all right so um I wanted to talk about a uh, prospect, a business owner I met with earlier this week. We talked about the uh, five-step profit formula with him and kind of where he's headed. So uh, is that all right? Sound good? Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Okay. All right. So um, this guy is in home services business. It's about $2 million a year in revenue. Um, pretty good business. He's kind of been doing it all himself. Um, looking to grow, looking to expand, wants to turn it into a franchise where he could sell franchises around the country, around the Southeast. Um, we started off the conversation, we've mentioned this before, the five-step profit formula, which is five ways to grow a business. You can get more leads, means you get more opportunities, get more at-bats, more conversions, how we convert those leads into paying clients, uh, more transactions, how we convince clients to buy more often of your product, higher prices, how we increase the prices without losing any of the sales. And that's really kind of bundling and upsell and downsell and cross-sell. Kind of more transactions and higher prices are the same. And then more profits, basically how we can um, increase the use of your overhead. In other words, um, you might not be taking opportunities that are there. I'm not talking about cutting costs. I'm talking about using it more effectively. Anyway, so it's really pretty interesting where this guy is and his uh, $2 million is a great business, right? So, well, if the margins are there, yeah, it'll be great business. Right. And here's where the conversation starts. So the margins are there, but he's not making any money. All right. So $2 million, 30% margins, that's $600,000, net, net, net. Okay. But he is taking a very small paycheck because he's, quote, unquote, reinvesting all the money back into the business. So the first thing I thought about was you and I both believe in that uh, uh, profit first system. Right, where you should be taking a portion of that 30% profit margins and putting it away in savings and working capital, right? We've talked about profit first. Before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's number one. That's the first thing that comes to mind. We've talked about profit first. And maybe we could do a, a podcast on that actual strategy. But in general, you're just paying yourself first. Can I ask about the – so you say 600000 Is that his, his gross profit? Or you said net, net, net. I yeah. Mean, yeah, so that's just net, net, net. You mean after after cost of goods sold, after employees, after yes. Well, how do you not make money with six hundred? That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I'll tell you something that um, maybe doesn't get brought up enough. Um, 
during the dot-com era, remember the whole dot-com thing? Oh, yeah. when, when these companies went and uh, they were just, there a lot of them were, were bringing in massive amounts of money. And if they would have just isolated a, a fair amount of that money, um, when it was no longer fun to be a dot-com, they'd still have money. Now, That's exactly right. Um, it tells me here, if this guy's got a net of 600 grand, um, either he's got some really nice watches or, um, really nice furniture, or he's, he's, he's got, I mean, you can't invest it all in one business. I mean, no, that, you, I've seen this a million times. That's exactly what he's doing. He puts the money back in the business. I've seen it at engineering firm, a lighting firm, a law firm. This is totally typical. Totally typical. What they do is they put it back in because there's always software to buy. There's always an employee. There's always a truck. There's always a piece of equipment to buy all that stuff. And instead of running their own, what we call return on investment, they say, Oh, I've got $500,000 in cash. Why wouldn't I buy that piece of equipment? Whereas what you and I would say, well, why don't we run a return on investment? Is that piece of equipment worth it? Is that software worth it? Is it going to add money to your bottom line in the future? If I had to borrow money from the bank, would I borrow money from the bank? And can I make enough money to pay the bank loan off and to make a profit? Then I should buy that software employee equipment. Well, right? that's not what these guys do. That's not what these guys do. And, you know, let's say a guy needs a truck. I just had this conversation with a contractor yesterday. He, he needs a new, well, he, he said he needs a new truck. His old one has got about 200,000 plus miles on it. It's uh, raggedy. It's becoming a, a more of a problem. He's, he's fairly profitable. And um, I said, so what type of truck are you considering? He, he said a brand new F-250 Platinum. And I said, well, that's all fine and good. But, um, and then he said, but, you know, I can get really low financing on it and, and I know he makes his living in that truck. I mean, a lot of his living is hauling his big equipment around and what have you. But I said, look, you've got the money to pay cash for, for about a $20,000 truck. So why not buy a three-year-old, uh, maybe not even the, um, the platinum version, just go buy a three-year-old F-250 and or a four-year-old F-250 and save the difference and plan for a rainy day. Cause you don't need the platinum today. You want, you want the next time you buy it, let someone else take the depreciation and driving it off the lot. It's, that's the thing. You know, if they need manufacturing equipment, then yeah, go buy manufacturing equipment. But do you really have to buy new? I mean, that's, that's another thing. I mean, people don't think that way. Um, because they're making money and right. what ends up happening is yeah. and the same thing you'd say all three of those so like what I would tell you would be all right let's look at paying cash for that new truck let's look at financing if I had to borrow money from the bank what would the financing be or if I could buy a used truck you know like you said three years old those are our three options you would run the scenario of is it worth it which one of those three is it worth it right not necessarily buy the platinum, not necessarily finance it, but you got to at least ask yourself these questions. Though, right? sure. I do the same thing with the equipment. I had a guy, an engineering firm, wanted to buy this big million-dollar piece of equipment, and he literally had a million dollars in cash. He said, well, I'm just going to buy the equipment. 
I said, have you run a return on investment yet? He said, literally, what do you mean? I said, well, if you were going to buy that million dollar piece of equipment and had to borrow money from the bank, so you'd see your cash is more important than the bank's cash. So hoard your own cash, hold your own cash, right? So if you were to buy that million dollar piece of equipment and you had to borrow money from the bank, are you sure and confident that you could pay it back? Well, I don't know. I haven't run those numbers. Well, you should because your money should be treated as least, should be treated better than the bank's money. Yeah. Right. You would go through that exercise if you had to borrow the million bucks. Why won't you go through that exercise if you're borrowing the million bucks from yourself? Right. Then you'd have to figure out how many jobs do I need? What kind of pricing do I need? Do I need to increase my pricing? What kind of volume do I need to make it worthwhile that I could pay off that loan? Then we can make the decision. How do we pay cash? Do we finance it? Do we half cash, half finance? Right. But you've got to run the scenario of if it was all borrowed, can I make it work? Because otherwise you're not looking at a return on investment for your money. You're just, Oh, I got a million bucks. I'll buy a piece of equipment. So literally I see this all the time. And that's what this guy's doing. Buying a new piece of software, buying a new, getting a new employee, getting a new truck. Like you talked about, right. So it's, it's the profit first. It's return on investment. It's treat your cash better than the bank's cash. For goodness sake, I'd rather borrow the money than use my own cash, right? So it was really interesting. Um, so he's been doing most of the sales, but he has just brought on two salespeople this year, just this month, actually, January. And so he's gonna need to train the salespeople, right? So we, we got into that, which is, you know, in my mind, everything is a, a process, right? So he, he's a very good marketing guy. So he knows leads. If I get a lead, I get X amount, and I get to uh, bid on the job. We'll talk about bids, like you know, he was saying, we don't really want to do bids, but that's a different subject. He says, if I get 100 leads, I'm going to get to bid 50% of those, right? And then out of that, half of those guys will end up buying from me, all right, doing business with me. So it's 25%. 100 people come in my door, 25% will end up buying. So he knows his numbers really well. That's pretty good odds right there. Those are great odds. And, then, and, and so he came from corporate America and kind of, kind of started this, let's call it a franchise. Um, more leads, more conversions. He gets that. And, but what we got to do is what are the, the leads and conversions for your new employees, right? How are you going to train them to be just as good as you are at converting those leads, right? So there's a, we've got to put some systems and processes in place. Not only that, on, on top of that, what I was trying to tell them would be, look, uh, a lead comes in, you do a bid and you close the sale. That's actually three different transactions, right? There's an initial marketing. There is a bid, there's a follow-up to the bid, and there's a close of sale. So I'm just saying that's a four-step process. So it, when you say bid, is he really just quoting the job? Yes. Yeah, it's not really bidding at that point. It's just quote. Okay. We'll call it a quote. I'll call it a quote. Yeah, He's quoting the job. He gets to put a quote out. Okay. Yeah. And so my so point being is that he doesn't have to do all four of those steps. Maybe his really good job is he's really good at bringing in the lead, and he's really good at closing the sale. So why can't we train an assistant to do the quotes? Why can't we train one of the junior sales guys to um, get the conversion from the leads to the, get the quote, right? And then he just does the close and he handles the big, the big time marketing because he's kind of a marketing guy, right? So this, is a, this is a great subject. So um, yes, would, I would think in whatever, um, However, he's getting that lead. 
what my, well, you know, what I would typically advise my client to do would be, okay, when you get the lead, you need to provide that client information that overcomes every single objection that you've ever heard from any prospect. And if the information, and done in such a way, I used to think this, and then I found out this. I used to think this, then I found out this. And, and, and literally go through and, and, and help your prospect by the time that he or she picks up the phone and talks to your salesperson, all the objections have technically been answered. It doesn't necessarily mean they're a buyer yet, but because they haven't seen the price. But now your salespeople, two things happen. Number one, all your salespeople have to do is know your materials because you've answered all the objections. And if they know the objections and how to overcome them, then selling's not a complex thing. And so um, I agree 100%. He could have um, an office person doing quotes. He could have written video or audio to overcome the objections. And then the salespeople um, will chase the sales. And before long, um, he, has a, he, he would have something that's franchisable. The only way that that business becomes franchisable is for him to not be a part of that business. When that business right. can run without him and it can run on systems, then it becomes valuable because franchising it's I've, I've read a, a lot about franchising and, and one of the biggest things they all say is if you're not really going to hit a hundred million in sales, it becomes really expensive to franchise because I mean, you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a per state basis to get licensed to sell franchises. Yeah. It, it's really funny. It's, it's not that bad of a deal. I've done these, some franchises with some other businesses. It's not that bad, but, but yes, it is a pain in the butt, but it's, it's not that, that bad. Um, but you're exactly right. It's, it goes back to the original thing we talked about in one of our original podcasts a long time ago is the philosophy you have and I have is build the business to sell it, whether you're going to sell it or not. Yeah. Right. So build the business to sell it, which would then make it franchisable. Right. Uh, which would mean he's only doing the stuff he likes to do. Maybe he likes to do the marketing. Maybe he likes to do the clothes. Maybe he likes to do whatever it is, I call it your unique abilities, Dan Sullivan calls it, I call it your A-plus activities, and then build the systems and processes we call the who, not how, who can do this for them, who can do the quotes for them, who can do the um, closes for them, who could go and put the materials, do the job, right, do the work, who could do the scheduling for them, you know, because then you, then you book the job, then you've got to go do the job and for him that's scheduling the job and then he just bought on a, brought on a crew about two three months ago so now he's got two crews one that he's on and one that he's not on so he's got to schedule those crews and like you said then we put in process where he doesn't need to go with either crew right that would be the next evolution of that then we need someone he does a scheduling then we need somebody where he teaches somebody to do the scheduling and by the way there's software uh, software apps out there for that we've got a lady that does pest control and there are apps out there that talks about the best route to go for those pest control. You can use that same type uh, app for um, delivery of any service. Again, this is uh, home services contract type work. Um, usually takes two days, three days to kind of get a job done on this project that he's working on. Um, but it's, a, it's an interesting concept. You're exactly right. Build it to sell it. Run them through the five-step profit formula. Get more leads. 
get more conversions, more transactions, higher prices and profits, right? Because then there's some upsell opportunities, right? If you're, if you're doing some home project, you're probably doing another home project, right? So there's a built-in referral basis that he could have. That's that more transactions. That's the bundling. You might team up with somebody else who does another kind of home service. You might exchange leads with that other home service provider. So you've got the customer, you can introduce him. He's got the customer, he can introduce you, right? So there are all kinds of things you can do just based on that five-step profit formula, five ways to grow a business, right? And then once you start thinking along those lines, you start thinking like you were saying, he doesn't need to be the one going out on jobs. He doesn't need to be the one that making the, the quotes. He doesn't need to be the one going and doing the measurements, right? Yeah. He needs to systematize, process, automate. And then he can do the stuff he loves. He loves marketing, right? And so if he, I was trying to explain to them, go back to the franchise concept. If you build the funnel, you know, you don't know the funnels. You build the funnel that this gets people to buy your product. That's franchisable, right? Then you could do it in Charlotte. Same funnel. We got our 25% conversion rates, quotes. We get our 50% quotes, then we get our 25% conversion rates, boom. And then I just need somebody to do the installing up there, right? Then you can do it in Birmingham, Alabama. Boom, 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 same marketing brings in. We got 50% gets quotes, 25%, boom. Then I need somebody in Birmingham to do the jobs, right? If he can systematize, automate, process, whatever the word you want to use, the funnel, you and I talk about funnels, the number one thing small businesses need is more clients, more money, more yeah. cash flow, right? And that, that's really profit activator number one, right? Get more leads, right? Then we could teach you how to, number two, get more conversions, get better at closing the deal, right? But sometimes more leads becomes problematic, I, I, especially today with contractors. You know, as you know, I mean, you're talking about a contractor, but yeah. Yeah. Um, what I hear often, and this is probably the number one thing I hear, I can't take any more work because I can't find good people. Right. Oh yeah. Tell us that. You had a good idea about that. Give us some of those. So, ones. um, the, the, the idea is, is not, it, it's basically you. Okay. I, I got you. So you have to simplify the process to a point where you can plug anyone in to the, your system so that you don't need the highest quality caliber of, of labor personnel you hire based around attitude. So here's this guy. Of course, I, I mean, we, we talked offline about the type of business uh, that the person that you were talking to is in. And um, realistically, there's, you know, his issue is, is he could get to a point where he just can't, he can't take any more work. So right. getting leads is not always the fix to the problem for everyone. Um, however, what you were just talking about, taking the systems in place to move the, the prospect to customer, to um, happy customer, and then to um, refer an agent and evangelist. I, I call them evangelists when, they, when they're out telling everybody about you and, and you're, you're able to cross sell with other vendors and things. But when, when you move them through that process, if you can plug someone into the whole process every step of the way who's not you, that's right. when the business has value, which is ultimately what you would be advising this guy to do. Hey. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I call that systems and processes, right? They got all the books. Uh, built to sell, uh, E-Myth, E-Myth Revisited. There's a book called Traction. 
But all these books say the same thing. Keno Wickman traction, yeah. Yeah, you put you put systems and processes in place, so 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 in, so I can come in there and run your business. Then there's the value. But it's funny you said it. you're right. It's not all about leads because it was. I was talking to I've got a dentist client. I work with a lot of dentists, and so for them it's more transactions, right? So a dentist has an existing clientele, right? So every dentist, just like every small business owner, thinks we need more leads, we need more conversions, we need more clients. And typically for them, that's actually not where we start. Again, so like you said, it's going to depend on the business. For a dentist, he's got a lot of built-in customers that just haven't seen them in a while, right? So think of, same thing can be for contractors, right? Uh, electricians, it's probably further spread out, right? Plumbers probably further spread out. But let's just use a handyman as a contractor, right? I've always got to have something breaking down, right? Sure. You've got, a, a, he's got, an, the dentist has an existing book of business, an existing clientele. They just haven't been in to see you in a while. So in dentistry, we call that re reactivation campaign. I need to get those guys that haven't been in. They missed their six months appointment, and now it's been a year, a year and a half, and they haven't been in. Likelihood, they haven't gone anywhere else. I'm still the incumbent dentist. I need to reactivate those clients, right? Let's say you're a contractor, a handyman. You've done a lot of work for people over the years. Gosh, they haven't called me in a long time. Well, I guarantee you something's broken of theirs, right? Yeah. So you need to get back in touch with all the people you did some handyman work with over the last, whatever, one year, two year, three years. There's a great tool I, I, uh, for doing that very thing. I, I uh, had this very conversation with my doctor. Yeah. He was like, I just don't have the personnel to get back to all of those, um, all of my patients. I think he said they have 16,000 patients. In <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yes. He's got 16,000. I said, so how many of them, you know, come in a month's time? And he had numbers that were like in the, you know, 800. Uh, yeah. you know, and it's just this enormous amount of patients that they don't see for years. And then all of a sudden they get sick and then they, then they show up. I right. said, so, but those, do most of those have insurance? He's like, yes. I said, so you're entitled to one annual visit minimum of those. Minimum. That's okay. right. And um, I said, is it legal for you to pay half their deductible? And he said, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Said, well, you need to find out if it's legal for you to pay half their deductible or rebate it or what, or, or give them some add-on service. Value that. You could give them yeah, said They might not want to pay their deductible. That could be right. it. But I said, what if I could show you a way um, to reach every one of them that, that you have their cell number? I said, how many of them you have their cell number? He said, at least 80%. I, said, I guarantee it. Yeah. I could show you how to reach 80% of your customers with literally five minutes on a computer and you'd reach them all and you could do it all through text messaging or even a voicemail. And I bet you I could, uh, we could drive the traffic to your website. He goes, how do you do that? I said, well, I'm going to let you do it, know it for free. And I'm going to let everybody know. For free. <laughs> that's a, right. You got to pay me for the how. Okay. <laughs> well, it's really easy. It's a, there's a service um, that's basically called Sly Broadcast. And I use it in our real estate business. I, I have uh, I, my real estate business. I'm a hundred percent. Well, I shouldn't say hundred. I'm probably 95% hands off. I have, I have virtual assistants who do most of the calling and things like that. We buy property. But uh, that being said, we use Sly Broadcast. So we'll take a, we'll take a list of, um, of a thousand prospects that come off of, and I don't know how many of them are cell number, but sure. I literally program, I, we, we cut and paste the list 
in this live broadcast and I hit send and over the next 15 minutes, it's going to leave a voicemail, pre-made voicemail. And we actually have three of them. Okay. And so we leave them on different numbers. Okay. Right, right. And it doesn't, the phone doesn't ring. Your cell phone doesn't ring, but oh, Hey, I got a voicemail. How did, how did I miss the call? And it goes straight to voicemail. It's an awesome service. And it's like 60 bucks a month. It's like nothing, but you can reach out and, and now talk to your uh, prospects. So in a medical field, in a, in a dental field, that would be a great way to drive them to a landing page and offer something for coming in, like a dentist office. You've got insurance. It's time to get that cleaning. So, oh, and that, that's exactly the reactivation campaign. You're exactly describing it. And you could do it for physicians. You could do it for, just like you said, that guy's got 16,000 clients. They probably haven't gone anywhere else unless their insurance changed and they had to change doctors or whatever. Reactivation campaign. That's exactly what that is. That's exactly what we talk about in dentistry. Reactivate it. Maybe you set up a time. Now you need to work with the zone schedules that I want to get a bunch of my old patients back in the week of whatever, February 14th. Right? Yeah, so just don't wait till the end of the year to do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Service all of them. You know, but you that's profit formula number three more transactions. Let's get more transactions from my existing clients. There's 60,000 people left over there that haven't seen me in a while, probably haven't gone anywhere else. More transactions from the existing clientele or past clientele. Uh, Dean Jackson has something called the nine word email. So he'll, he'll reactivate old patients or old people by saying, Hey, are you still interested in X, Y, Z? Hey, are you still interested in whatever? Staying healthy. Hey, are you still interested? You know, so he could be a personal trainer, right? Personal trainer, anybody who's not a client, but, but all past clients for personal trainer reactivation campaign, right? Yeah. So I'm a personal trainer. Uh, people fall off. I don't know how long people stay with a personal trainer. I don't know all the industry stats. But you could have a reactivation camp. Anybody that I've trained in the last three, four, or five years, we could do a text message, a offer, get them back in the door. But we get back and say, "Hey, are you still interested in being physically fit?" It's probably February first. You probably already ninety-five percent of people have forgotten their uh, New Year's resolution. I don't want that to happen to you. Come in. I'm running a boot camp this month. Right? More transactions from existing clients or from past clients. Formula number three. It's hilarious. So it's really, this is a good one. I like this. Well, and it's always easier to get uh, water from the same well than, it is, to, <laughs> than right. it is to dig a new well. And that's, I, I mean, that's the reality is that the person who has already been your customer, they've already opened their checkbook or taken out their debit card or their credit card once will almost, uh, it's, it, they, it's like 80% more that they will spend more money with you than someone who has never spent money with you. you because it, you've already established trust and rapport. Um, so yeah, getting more transactions is easy if you've got an existing customer base. Um, in fact, I would uh, almost inevitably, if I had, when I have a client that has, uh, you know, and it happens, we get them all the time. I'm like, how many existing customers? Well, we've been in business 15 years. I've got at least four to 5,000 customers in our database. I'm like, are you willing to send that list off um, to a, a virtual assistant? And I show them how to do that and yeah, yeah. help them get that list in an emailable format. And, and, and let's see if we, you know, let's, let's use that. Let's not even look for new customers right That's now. That's exactly right. That list. Frank Hearn. So Frank Hearn's another one of the gurus that yeah, I follow yeah, sure. his podcast and all that kind of stuff. And he's got a good one. He says, my number one trick is a new client. And I say, let's look back over the last 12 months and what, have you done to generate business? 
And then he'll say, okay, which one of those have been the most successful? Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we do that one again? <laughs> he says, that's his number one trick. Let me ask you what you've done in the last 12 months. What was the most successful thing you do? Hey, let's do that again. That's, that's, his, that's his number one trick. I thought that was hilarious. But the same stuff, most likely working with existing clients working, or using a marketing campaign they had worked or reactivation campaign, all the above. But it reminds me of exactly that. You and I could walk into somebody's book of business and, and say, what have you done in the last year? How big are your, all your clients that you've ever serviced? How, how big is your existing book? Gosh, let's see if we can reactivate some old clients, some past customers. Uh, let's get some existing clients to buy more. What else could we offer to those same, the same existing clients? Yeah. And even some people are afraid to offer, um, I, I see this all the time, new customers only, where you're going to offer something, but it's new customers only. Like if there's, if there's one thing that Comcast and DirecTV and every utility basically yes. does to screw their own customers is they'll give a great deal to a new customer, but they'll, they'll take a dump on their existing customers. Yep. Why not offer a great deal to your existing customers because you don't, there's no acquisition cost. They're already yours. And then that's what I don't understand the mentality behind some companies. Uh, but then again, it happens very often with utilities. And um, yeah, if, if you got a, yeah, if you, you, you got a big client, well, let's do that again. Let's do the same thing. <laughs> right. Exactly right. It's just, but that's funny you say that about the, 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 the reactivation campaign for like the cable company and the phone companies, right? It'd be a great service if they automatically once a year reevaluated your plan and said, well, you could be on this plan to save more money because that would make me more loyal, right? I'd be less likely to look to switch phone providers, AT&T and Verizon or whoever. If I knew once a year you were reviewing my plan and saying, oh, we got something better, try this. Same thing with cable. You'd be less likely to switch cable or direct TV. If once a year you just kind of, hey, here's kind of your habits. You're on the best package. You're not, even if you told me I was already on the best package. Well, and that, you know, that's a great concept. Um, Comcast could easily come to me and say, you know, you guys only watch like four or five channels. Right. Why don't I just sell you those five channels for this amount? And that would, that would release bandwidth for other clients. It, I mean, they could say, that's why we want to offer you a better deal. But they can yeah. charge so much more for the basic package because let's say you're on this big package, they could come down, but their basic package could be way more profitable because it, oh, yeah. it eats less bandwidth. I mean, but anyway, we're talking Comcast now. We're not talking about small business owners. Uh, <laughs> hey, big it. businesses do stupid things for no reason other than the fact that they've got disposable, wasteable income um, that if they don't spend it, they feel like they have to. Almost like what you were talking about before. I get $600,000 in profit, I got to spend it. Well, no, you don't. Um, if Sears didn't spend all their money, they'd probably still be in, you know, in business. <laughs> you don't have to spend all your money regardless of the size of your company. That's right. All right, I think we're right about time here. So uh, we talked a little bit about the five-step profit formula, get more leads, more conversions, more transactions, higher prices, more profits. Talked about one of my guys talking about how he can start using those to grow his business and systematize and process the business. We got into, we're funny, we got into a little ROI and cash. Should you pay for that new truck with cash? Sure, sure. I use cash. I call that return on investments. Let's try to run the numbers on pay cash, finance it, buy a used vehicle, right? 
Um, and then we started talking about um, reactivation campaigns, you know, more transactions from existing clients from past clients. And we talked about um, taking whatever you've done that's worked well in the last year and do that again. <laughs> Frank Kern method. I don't know. Pretty funny. Well, yeah. And it's the, the funny part about that is um, the, the reverse is also true. Okay. What did you do in the last 12 months that didn't work at all? Right. And they have this list of things. Well, then why are you still doing it? Right. How's that working? If, if this guy's getting 25%, look, this guy must be one of the best salespeople on the planet to get 25% closing ratio on cold leads. That's unbelievable. I mean, I would have, um, I'd have 15 salespeople in our office by the end of the month plugging into a system so that I could reach the biggest audience the fastest. I mean, it just, if your ratio is that high, it'd be worth dropping the ratio in half by just sheer volume and you doing that. That's just me. But then um, the higher price point, you know, perhaps that's why his closing ratio is so high is that his prices aren't high enough. And, you know, he ought to test the water. I mean, if he's going to get 100 new prospects a month, um, how about take 20 of them and, and try a higher price point? That, I mean, that's number four, higher prices. <laughs> I mean, because that's naturally going to make a better profit. And if he finds out, hey, I closed 25% and I, and I increased my profit by uh, 50%. Well, right. I guess the whole 100 next month are going to go on this new price plan. And I still... But again, once again, what's return on investment? What if he raised his price? Let's say, let's just say his price was $100, but he went up to $150. I know it's a bigger, whatever. You could say yeah. $10,000, doesn't matter. But he went up to $150. So he, he increased his profit by $50, bucks, but he increased his sale price by, by 50%. And let's say his closing ratio dropped to 20%. He's still way ahead of the game. Oh, I know. That literally, I've got my little five-step profit formula. I've got that into a spreadsheet. And you can play around with those numbers. You're exactly right. What if I increase by 10%, 20% with that decreased conversions? What if we increase our profit margins by getting more efficient at delivering the product? What does that do for us? Goes right to Because all this stuff goes right to the bottom line. The higher price, we go right to the bottom line. The being more efficient, we go right to the bottom line. More transactions, the upsell, the downsell, the cross-sell, right? The referrals. Um, so it's funny you say that because I've actually got that into a spreadsheet. You plug that in and say, oh, what if my conversion rate dropped or my prices went up? What if you my have leads that, You have that spreadsheet on 10X Profit Blueprint, don't you? Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. All right, man, we got to wrap it up. This was really good. I love these conversations. They went by way too quick. Well, um, you know, that's they do go by quick. Um, you know, you can find Matt, like I just said, at 10xprofitblueprint.com. Yeah. And you can find that formula there as well, as well as his five-step profit formula. That's, uh, um, and then uh, you can find me at davidmulvaney.com. I usually post on my blog almost daily. Um, if there's anything that, uh, that you want to know about generating leads or running your business, um, eliminating debt, what to do when your business, when those, everything's hitting the fan, um, it's probably on that blog, you know, so well, plus, plus you got your webinar on Thursday. So we, I do have a weekly, a weekly webinar. You can sign up uh, if you're in the contracting business, it's just go to the contractor blueprint.com. And uh, um, I help 
mainly contractors, mostly around the electrical world. It's not that I don't, you, I, what, what I do would gladly help any contractor, but I like the electrical world because um, it's a world that I've lived in the past 21 years. And uh, so um, I like working with people that, you know, we kind of have that kindred spirit, I guess you'd say, but that's the contractorblueprint.com. And I help people generate um, leads rapidly using LinkedIn. So that's awesome. All right, man. Have a good one, Matt. We'll talk soon. Take care.